This the fourth installment in the yeah. series, the core four, mm-hmm. 1960s, the Magnificent Seven, the original Magnificent Seven. Well, <laughs> the original Magnificent, you're the good one. Well, the original Magnificent Seven, although not the original telling of the story, which we will we can talk get to about in a minute. That, yeah, there's, a, there's some history on that. That's I hadn't seen it in ten years, <coughs> so it's very interesting. Like I, I have seen this movie a million times. It's one of a dozen films I had on audio cassette because, mm. <laughs> uh, you know, just sort of, it was actually a weird one to put into an audio cassette, but you could cut it down to an hour from two hours pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, but it had been, it's been, it, this is the longest I've gone without seeing it. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to come back and see it as a 50 year old. And also as a 50 year old who's been watching tons of movies and talking about movies with you mm-hmm. and, ta- and thinking about movies more academically right. and probably the, the stupid Criterion channels gotten in the way. <laughs> but I, I had a whole, like a completely different experience this time watching it than really? the perhaps 20 plus times I had seen it before. Okay. Well, but, I didn't re, I did not rewatch it for no this. No need to, yeah. Yeah, I, I've got it in my brain. Like, like, so the last time I visited dad was with my brother and it would, this was on dad's yeah. little screen and mm-hmm. uh, the sound was off but that's okay because we literally knew all the words to the stupid movie this is the last you have some, if you have the, cue, the visual cue there I can do the whole movie for you is this the last movie you saw with your dad yeah so I, that's so funny we didn't we didn't plan so, it that way you're gonna trash it <laughs> we didn't plan it that Boy, way. Only a stupid idiot person, Tom. <laughs> no wonder he died. No, we didn't plan it that way. I, and, and, and quite frankly, I didn't even think of it now. You yeah. did. So. Yeah. No, I didn't. Uh, it just happened that way. Yeah. That it's the fourth one we did. I didn't want to end on The Searchers because it, it, that was too easy a landing since The Searchers was, there was some argument about it, whether it belongs in the core four. So right. Like well, it. and again, also, like quanti- qual- you know, qualitatively, I think it's just the, be- the best of the movies in that one. Yeah, well, because no inclusion in the core four was not relative to like what a tremendous movie it was, you know, or why not Godfather at that point? Oh yeah, and you know the thing with your dad under his tutelage, there certainly were many, many movies that he he showed us slash forced upon us that were very, very good movies. But yeah, yeah, there were others. I mean, one of my favorite movie experiences constantly at your dad's was watching Soldier of Fortune. Which is yep. certainly not a good movie, but right, right. I love watching that movie, we, and I think we, of your dad all the time. We would take uh, like a phrase or like a little thing out of a given movie or something like that, and, mm-hmm. and just use it in everyday conversation. Yeah. And uh, Soldier in the Rain was a big one. I lo- it's not a good movie. Oh, that's actually a bad movie. It's a, yeah, it's actively yeah. not a good movie. Yeah. But I there's there's just you you know you love it for I love it for its associations. I read the know. book. It's one of the few ones I read the book uh, beforehand, and it actually the book made me cry. Yeah, I mean, as an eleven-year-old or whatever, and the movie just made me angry at how awful it was. <laughs> but we would always like that was always our goodbyes until that time, Smitty. Until that time, and that's, right, that's, that's from Soldier directly taken. It's until that time, Eustace is the character's name yeah. in the movie. So we just we stole that, and that became part of our thing. And, and several of these things, uh, several things came out of the Magnificent Seven as well in that yeah. category. But again. Include like the, none of these were Bergman. Oh no, no, not no. a one of these. No, were. the of best course. we got was John Ford out of it, and this one was directed by Sturgis. We'll talk about that in a sec. 
Yeah, Sturgis is a good director. I he's mean, a he's a very competent director. He's like you love that word. Comp- I, I don't mind it, but I think it's just true. There's some. There's some directors. Him. What's the name of the guy who did uh, Casablanca? Curtiz. Um, Curtiz. Right. Yeah. These are just guys who could tell a story well with a camera. Yeah, I mean, there there are people who who <coughs> lasted through the studio system years, and then yeah. some that came out after it, but had the sort of working men's, you know, competent as you, let's, if you I will, say competent, mentality. maybe blue collar is another way to put it. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's in that category. But I also think some of them are, like, you think about Cecil B. DeMille, right? And it's like, he definitely, part of what he does is super competence. Like, he just is a, a great organizational director. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, his need to organize so heavily is premised on the fact that he's he wants to do something really important and whether it is or isn't mm-hmm. i i think like like um uh oh what's the easter movie uh you know where uh with moses or with, uh for god's sake the ten commandments <laughs> um uh is is one that's like oh that took a lot of work right. that mediocre movie mm-hmm. whereas ben hur is like that took a lot of work and that's actually a pretty a interesting pretty damn movie good, pretty damn good movie yeah yeah and so john sturgis <laughs> is sort of i think more in the former category where it's like yeah, i mean the great escape i love right and as the years go by i question how good it is. <laughs> but that's but, kind of true of a lot of movies but a i do like it great you know i do like it and it has an arc and it even has an emotional arc on all of a sudden we're in the great escape so but i but ultimately he's a guy who like plans things out and, and figures out you know how to do this and so in this case with magnificent seven i don't know i well obviously consciously he looks at um kurosawa's seven samurai Right, which okay. you're a fan. This of. is a ripoff of uh, Kurosawa's uh, Seven Samurai, uh, all the way across the board, except in a very important way that Kurosawa himself actually enjoyed. Which was well, they took the they took the story, they took the characters, they took almost everything, but they didn't they didn't try to jam the culture across. They made it a cowboy movie. He liked that. He thought that was great. It, was, it would have been ridiculous for them to try to, you know, do something that would have been like genuinely an homage back to the Seven Samurai. They oh, just took the ideas and oh. ran with it. And he thought that was cool. He actually gifted because uh, Kurosawa uh, apparently what had been from a samurai lineage in Japan, which is very important there. Um, but he had like a like an ancestral sword he gave to Sturgis as a gift. He oh, said, "Good work, kid." Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. And he's fucking Kurosawa. Which just is- kind of speaks to how dumb the American culture can be sometimes. <laughs> I do think that the Magnificent Seven sees itself as um, uh, sort of jamming the American culture forward in the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. But here's why, I think. Because the first thing that occurs to me as a fellow dumb American is like, yeah, like good triumphing over evil. As if that's an American thing. And it's sort of like Hollywood did sort of co-op that idea. Like, yeah. Right. The good guy versus the bad guy—that's a real American trope. Yeah, yeah. well, no, but it, but but it, but it runs into the camp, the definitely in the cowboy thing, and it, and again, but again, the lack of nuance—you know—that's one of those things. I mean, if yeah. you wanted to, if you really wanted to stretch a point, you could try to see it from Calvera's point of view, the bad guy. Well, let's talk. Should we just? Why don't you give us the essential plot? Uh, okay, uh, some, a little town in uh, a little town in Mexico, yes. and um, they are. Helpless farmers, they don't have anything. We're at a, they, they have no means or ability to defend themselves. Very simple folk. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, salt of, of the, the earth. earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, if um, Brando but, were in it, it would be called Salt of the Girth. But go ahead. Uh, Ooh. That's good. Top of my head, folks. That's good. Fat joke. <laughs> um, <laughs> very top of the. Uh, no, um, uh, so uh, they're being victimized by a local bandit. Uh, dare I say Bendito? Sure. I, I could say yeah. that. Uh, named Calavera, played by Eli Wallach, yep. who is. 
I think he's the John. I'm going to call him the John Casal of that of his era. Oh wait, wait! I want to do this. I want to get into this stuff, but, but let's just lay the plot out first, and ah, then let's go back because we'll go right back to Eli okay. Wallach, and I'll give and it to so you. And so they send up. Uh, so so a couple of them they put together the what little money they have in the way of valuables and uh, send us several of them up to, uh, north to America where we're good with violence mm-hmm. and uh, to hire up hire up somebody to uh, to teach them to fight or fight for them. It's kind of it's kind of not, not really sure. They yeah. don't feel confident they don't know what in their ability doing. to fight. Yeah, they're not even sure what they're asking for. Yeah, but although they they do get wise, you know, mm-hmm. the man with a, with a scar on his face. Yeah, the man for us is the one who put that scar on. You're learning your quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so uh, yeah. they go uh, north and uh, run into uh, <laughs> one of the great ridiculous openings to a movie uh, sequence where you start to meet our heroes and then they gather seven uh, seven. Cowboys to come down and, and hired fight. guns, all with like variations and motivations and the understanding of what they're getting into. Right, but with some except for one, who's kind of really the clown, classically in the dark. Yeah, Harry. Um, except for him, all of <laughs> he's them kind of lovable but stupid. Like he's, all, yeah, but each of the the six, let's say out of the seven, with some weird sense of like. Um, responding to an injustice. It may not be their prime motivation, although it is for a couple of them, yeah. but it's like, uh, oh, they're kind of almost interested in the feeling after yeah, years yeah. of well, being and, hired and, guns. Right, and certainly, and then some of them are also just have like, they're just out of options. Like they've, yeah. been, they've been hired guns enough that, yeah. it, that it's gotten them zero anywhere and, yeah. and almost dead. So, yeah. and they're trying to avoid that. So they go, so they had, so heading to Mexico is, is safer waters for them. So, uh, so, so, I mean, that's the essence of it. They go down and, and, uh, and, uh, violence ensues and it's, I mean, I think it's a tremendous cast. First it definitely. And it's also about, like, you know, it's like training, training the villagers to become like men, but in, in the sense that they can defend themselves and the women in the village, right. but at the same time contending with the idea that they themselves are not happy with the pursuit they've given their yeah. own sense of, of like manliness or something. Right, yeah. The ability to kill somebody else is, hasn't made them happier. So they, they, they're happy to pass this on and, and feel good about themselves in terms of giving justice to the village. Right. But they're also sort of passing it on with like a grain of salt. Like, be you be you do you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what they're saying to the village. And yeah. we'll still be miserable when this is over. Somebody says it, but, uh, you know, we, we, we are who we pretend to be, but be careful who you pretend to be. I can't. I think, it, might have been, I think it was Vonnegut, but. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Trip. Yeah, it's Miss Rosewater. Um, and, and, and then, of course, then they have to confront Calveras, played by Eli Wall, like you said again, which is. Yeah. And, and if, well, I don't think we're giving spoilers away to say that. Uh, well, we're not going to tell you who who wins. Perhaps Calvaris rapes the women. Yes, he's right away on the horse and uh, rapes the horses and rides away on the women. That's right. That was the They're one, directly ripping that off for the Three Amigos. That was about. a joke. That was one of the first jokes that made me howl when I was a kid. It was the John Wayne imitation, drunk John Wayne, and it was like. Um, stampede the cattle and rape the women and for God's sakes men get it right this time <laughs> I remember being 11 and just like thinking that was it actually is not a bad joke now that I think about it but yep. okay so let's talk about like the execution of this movie the act- you want to talk about Eli Wallach first that's what I well, want to no, do I too just, I just I just I, I want he gets lost in the other star power in this movie I think to a yeah. certain extent yeah, yeah. and I think he's He's so. He, I think he's very key to it, and I think he's one of these actors who's capable of being key in any movie, regardless of who he's with. He. I was thinking this thought about him. Fuck. 
Well, that's what I was thinking about because the, the Misfits was a year before, <laughs> and he's the he's actually the best thing in that movie. I I like yeah. the Misfits more than most people do, and in a movie that I think is is I actually think is fantastic, he's the best part, followed closely by Thelma Ritter. Yeah, um, and then the rest of them are very competent, like Cecil B. DeMille's. <laughs> yes. Um, certainly. Um, but I was thinking like, okay, I guess he kind of got used, you know, from, from, um, uh, Magnificent Seven and then later on the good, bad and the ugly as like, he's got this, you know, dopey face that can be sort of like, you know, Hollywood quote unquote Mexican up and, yeah, you know, made a bad guy. And but he, the poor man's Anthony Quinn. In that but he's sense. done great things. I mean, he's Eli Wallach <laughs> is so good that I remember being forced to watch a movie with Kate Winslet, who I like, but it was like Kate Winslet, um, Jack Black and Julia Roberts, like a Christmas movie, and he had a minor role. Christmas movie, and it was like, oh, it was just delightful. Any time he's on screen, he just he's just so good. And this is this is going to be very rough and weirdly subtle yeah. for who we're talking about in this. Him as Calvaris in this film, he's hamming it up, man. Oh yeah, he's eating, he's chewing the hell out of the scenery. I'm gonna, I'll say something else in praise of Eli Wallach. Yeah. that might get me in trouble. You might physically attack me on this okay. one. Um, There's a movie in the '80s called Tough Guys. Oh yeah, I love he's that. the only. He's the, absolutely the. I mean, I kind of love. I kind of have guilty pleasure. Love the rest of it, but Eli yeah. Wallach is, I think, the best thing. He in and movie. Uh, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He's just actively funny. Yeah, they're in there. They as were well. in there. Yeah, yeah I like that. That's not a horrible song, movie. But... It's it's competent. That's, no, <laughs> it's, an okay it's movie. really not. Man. Eh. I mean, it's no angry old. Well, man. just because you grew. I mean, it's got the the thing with angry old men too. Not angry or old men. That's too far. But angry old men and and. Uh, and Tough Guys has that thing. If you grew up watching the pairings, like yeah. Lancaster Douglas, you're just happy to see, yeah. like, ah, these old guys are doing one last thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, but Eli Wallach, one of the things is... It's like, that, it's like a jello mold. That speech at the beginning, he gives this kind of ridiculous speech at the beginning. He, he wants to go into a village, pillage the village, make people sit down and listen to why he's actually the victim in the whole situation, right. and the country's going downhill. And it's really humorous, and it reminds me of Salazzo the Turk, you know, Mike, I am the I'm hunted, hunted one. one. <laughs> it's, just, it's immediately came to mind. It's like, oh, he does such a good job. And, and you know, even when one of his underlings interrupts him and like, but boss, we stole it anyway. I know I'm making a larger philosophical point here. I think it's, he's, you know, uh, I, I think you said it best among a great cast. Well, I want to talk about that too. Actually, well, we'll talk about that too. Uh, but there's but good, a, and, there's a, good, and not good in that. An ensemble that's yeah. notable. Let's say that it's got the same quality of, uh, of uh, the Great Escape. I mean, it's just got and quite a few of the same people, frankly. Uh, three of them, at least: Bronson, Coburn, and McQueen, right. were in the Great Escape later on. Also, so John Sturgis must have liked something about what they were doing. And actually, Bronson and McQueen. Two years earlier, we're in um, Never So Few. Yeah, with Frank oh, Sinatra. Oh, jeez, I haven't seen that in so, years. So, yeah. Real quick, favorite Bronson movie? Oh, my favorite is Mr. Majestic, always. Okay, I love Hard Times. Wa- I Watermelon why, Farmer, Gone Hard Wild. Times. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Hard Times is pretty good. Yeah. Hard Times is pretty good. You know what else I like? Uh, I like... <coughs> um, a movie with he and Lee Marvin. They did like three or four together. Uh, this might have been the last one, and it was called Death Hunt. Mm. Um, I don't know that I know that one. Uh, Marvin is tracking um, uh, Bronson across the Canadian winter front, trying to kill him. Okay. It's right. interesting. Anyway, sorry. Oh, I have some good um, good trivia about uh, Bronson and, and McQueen. We'll get back to that. But but I just, I, yeah, I think you're right about that. There's something about this film. I want to start with this idea. Okay. 
You, by the way, you indicated at the beginning that you might have a heresy coming on, but I want to. But I want. Oh, did hear, I? Yeah, no, or maybe not. I don't know. Oh, you had, I might, you had yeah. a different take, so I want to hear what that is at some point here. I can start with it. Maybe I can, we can just go from there. All right. This I didn't like this movie nearly <laughs> as much as I've liked it in the past. Okay. And there are a few things going on for me. One is I made this note, and it's like for for a movie that seems remarkably unplay like. I mean, there's nothing like this that says, "Oh, this was once a Broadway play." <laughs> It ha- it does Except that musical bit thing. It does some moves that you either do if you were directing a play or you were kind of lazy, which I don't ascribe to John Sturgis. Well, here's <laughs> here's one of them. In the beginning, Calveras rides off again, and it's like God, oh, this bastard's taking all our, our stuff again. And so the villages, and so like one by one, they come out <laughs> to. To like the the fountain, and they go like, "I think we should do this," and then someone else, "No, we should do this," and it's like, yeah, it "Am I watching like, a high school play?" It does look like picnic a little it bit. It is right a little there, strange, does. you know. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I guess yeah, I mean, granted, you, have, you do have to have like the that. philosophical like, like "What are of we going to do?" thing, right? But yeah, I think the it, little ham fisted, I suppose. I think yeah. I would have. Were okay. I the director, I hate to second guess John Sturgis. <laughs> I probably would have had them sit down with the elder to begin with, the guy who convinces them what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing is, by the way, side note: he tells them to go off and do this thing, but he tells three people, and when they go off and get a, get a Chris Yule Brenner, the the main hired gun, the the, the ball rolling, he asks them, "Does the village feel rolling. this way?" And they go, "Oh yeah, the whole village." And it's like, "Hey, we just saw everyone come out one by one and give differing opinions." Shut yeah. your mouth. We did not get to see the uh, the town hall. Yeah. <laughs> we missed out all that. Okay, all right. Okay. And, okay, so I'm going to say this too. Uh, and then, any because I can just keep going with this. Let me say one more thing. I'm going sequentially here. I actually ended up favoring and liking the, the first scene uh, between Brenner and Steve McQueen. I actually think it's a fairly good setup for what it's trying to accomplish. Because it's going to be difficult. How do you get strangers together? It, it, at, to start this Magnificent Seven, right. how do you establish that they are courageous and maybe even interested in justice? How do you establish their expertise? And they do it in this way where there's an, a, a part Indian man who's supposed to go in a, in a, a hearse or carriage up to, up to up a the, white graveyard, a white boot hill or whatever yeah. it's called, and no one, no one, everyone refuses to bury him. So you get these two guys together. It's like, okay, we established they're good guys. We established an initial friendship. I actually thought I, I was going back and forth. Like, there's a little ham-fistedness, and then there's some brilliant moves. That's that's one of the funny. Okay. So that this is, I love that scene. It's it's a great scene, and at the same time, it's you know, it's any movie that's trying to get across, like trying to trying to introduce you to a character. Yeah, is 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 gonna take some shortcuts to get you there, and that's a lot of kind of what's going on here. You know, you're yeah. right. It does introduce I all think that those factors works. to it. Yeah. Uh, if you, but if you think about it for just a second, like that's a weird way to get a body up to. Like, there's probably at least you could have just done it at night, stupids, or something else, you know? Yeah. Like there was a, probably a better plan to be had out of this. But yeah, for what they were trying to get to, yeah, no, of course, yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, it's it's I love that scene. Did you ever get you get elected? No, but I got nominated. I wrote that. Good. That's one of my great. So he gets <laughs> shot at, but they shoot the cigar out of his mouth. You yeah. you elected? No, but nominated though. Yeah, yeah. this good band. I got nominated real good. Let me correct you. Yeah, thank Sorry. you. <laughs> Oh, it's fair enough. <laughs> you got it right. That's actually exactly. I wrote exactly that down. Uh, yeah, I, I. There are things about the setup that I think are interesting. <clears throat> I think um, uh, the introduction of each man in their own way. You know, it's like Bronson's chopping wood, so it's like he's he's uh, he's desperate for money, yeah. so it's like he'll do it. Coburn, who doesn't need the money. By the way, I wrote this down. Tell me, I'm wrong. <laughs> Is James Coburn the white Obama? 
Am I crazy? Well, I think Obama's the white Obama first off. Let's go. Fair that. enough. But James Coburn has, or Obama has, or whatever <laughs> it is, the same the, sort of quality of like quiet, the, the cordy side of the face thing. Yeah, yeah all that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I can see that. I like the fact that, yes, like, the, if, the more you think, <laughs> you could, uh, but the, the more you think about, like, the particular motivation of James Coburn's character, the more of a sociopath he genuinely becomes. Oh, yeah. Well, he just, he's really good at killing people, and he just kind of likes to keep in practice. I mean, even the ones, you know, Bronson plays the character he plays half the time, which is the guy who's, like, somehow stuck on the outskirts, can do bad things, but has a good morality yeah, right, at right, the right, core. Right. And, and is decent to kids, which. But is, even he in the situation here is a little bit. <laughs> Psychotic, yeah, you know. I mean, he yeah. starts spanking children because they're disrespecting the parents, but he's like shooting, you know, the, the ears off of banditas while he's doing it. I don't know what you're saying. Never mind. Okay, I don't want anyone to know. Fair enough. But, um, yeah. yeah. So I like the whole introduction of each person. Well, now I like the introduction of most people. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did like the 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 one who I think is like a half Mexican farmer kid. This is the kid who makes the seventh, and and his name is Those, Horst something. He, yeah, he's, he's German. Actually, he's actually he's, he's the kid from the pawnbroker, isn't he? No, no, because Wait. that kid is the kid from the Wild Bunch. It's You're right. Yeah, yeah. I'm shutting up. On that one. No, no, it's fair it's enough. I don't know what he did after that, but but in any case, I like that whole scene how he fails the the clapping test and in the in the drawing the gun. Yeah, I, I don't mind Goofy Charlie coming in with the like, "What's the real deal here? Is there a silver mine?" I like him. <laughs> I gotta tell you, in this film, there are two characters who really just kind of annoy me nonstop. Of okay. the seven, Robert Vaughn. Robert Vaughn is one of them. Okay. And he's not the most annoying, but he's pretty annoying. And his character is this gunman who's on the run. He's wanted by the law. He has to sort of like make his living sleeping under pianos or something. I don't know. He, he's just, he's, in, you know. Well, every place he goes, they're, they're going to charge him for the insurance yeah. if he gets killed because he's like a notorious gunfighter. Apparently. Fair enough. Slaying the land, Jack. He's got early West PTSD. I get it. It's an interesting concept, but yeah. Vaughn plays it, I mean, just like uh, ridiculously like jumpy and like whiny and uh, you don't know what it's like to be me. Me. Ah. Yeah. But as irritating as I find him, this one killed me this time. I gotta tell you, ya, no, shut your yam. McQueen's a fucking James Garner in this one. His <laughs> his fucking little oh, okay. attempts at humor <laughs> and yappery are kind of fall flat most of the time. Yes. And the whole thing that the the the, tr- the known trivia about this movie is this. Actually, there's an interview in the 70s where Bronson talks about Steve McQueen. And apparently they actually were kind of friends. It's one of those things where he just was mouthing off. Maybe he was drunk. And he was like, he's no professional. And I knew this from when the first time when we worked uh, outside of Frank's purview when we worked on The Magnificent Seven. And he did this thing. Now, I'm going to pause to say this. What I always heard is that all seven of them did this thing. And it was this. Sturgis would have like a master shot of all seven of them on a horse. Four of them would be like tugging at their hats, and 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 three of them would be tapping their guns. And it was an actor's trick to draw attention to yourself in the scene. And he'd be like, St- "Everyone, stop moving! Shut up! Fuck, <laughs> off. Fuck off! I'm the director." You know, uh, and, and even Brenner was doing it. And it's like, but I noticed it most with Steve McQueen, and not just in subtle ways where he was trying to zim zamazuba. And even the way he jumps behind things, it's like you're not. You're not in the Olympics, McQueen. Like, you can just go over that pile of wood. You don't have to do, like, a rough and tumble, you know, somersault. It just, 
Everything about him almost in this movie <laughs> irritated me. I gotta tell you. I always thought, uh, first of all, Zim Zamazuba. Thank you sure. for that. It's I, Elephant's Jaw. Right. <laughs> Zim Zamazuba. Okay, so um, I always thought like he was kind of the weakest character in the group, in yeah. a sense. I always did think that. Like, you know, I mean, Yul Brenner is the, the leader of the pack, and he then. Steve McQueen is is the uh, is kind of his second in command, but yeah, you're right. Like his, you know, uh, Brenner has gravitas. There's the, uh, he's got that coming out of his ball. Brenner's he the, always he, did. Almost besides Eli Wallach, he's he's the, almost the most clearly like act actor's actor. Yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Um, uh, yeah. Well, and the rest were. I mean, the rest were all you know decent actors for what they did, but they, sure. but they had limited range, including McQueen. Yeah, but that's but Coburn for some reason and it could have been the way the character's written too. Like Coburn, I don't mind. He is exactly what it yeah, is. Yeah. Bronson, you know, does a little. Well, what's really funny is relative to the uh, the uh, the Seven Samurai, Coburn's the most obviously like the guy he's supposed to be oh, okay. from the yeah. Seven Samurai. Yeah. Everybody else is, is 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 something of a take on that. The kid also to a certain mm. extent. You know, he's also like a villager trying to yeah. trying to with pretensions to gunplay. So, um, but uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like McQueen was always kind of like it. McQueen was had that quality of being comforting because he was like the uh, the dad joke guy that you that, that's at work, you yeah. know. Yeah. And he's just doing these stupid little like little jokes, the philosophy of which is ridiculous if you listen to any one of them. But but yeah. they are memorable. Like you, I can I carry those around in my little my little brain. Yeah. You know, uh, but, but you know, once once knew a guy uh, jumped into a mess of cactus. That's the one that actually <laughs> drove me over the cliff. <laughs> Tell the joke. Oh shit! I'm, hold on. He took off all his clothes and he jumped into a cactus. And I asked him at the time. This is in reference, by the way, to uh, relating to nothing, almost, nothing, zero to what was actually. So he says, so the Queen says, I once knew a guy who took <laughs> off all his clothes and jumped naked into a cactus. And when I it asked, seemed him, like a good idea at the time. Yeah, like, it just wasn't <laughs> no, good. It was never a good idea, Steve. But also, like Steve, I, the way he delivers it, you feel like he's proud of it. Like, like almost like he wrote the line. I've often wondered if maybe he ad libbed those. Like, that was not in the script. Let's, God let's help us uh, subtract lib them in the future, <laughs> shall we? Oh, you're nah, dead. it's all part of it because, you know. Again, not <laughs> great movie making, but enjoyable. Yeah, I, I, see, I still enjoyed the movie in general, but I it definitely came down a couple of notches in terms of how good I thought the movie was. Well, you fact, kind of steeped yourself in good movies of late. I guess. Knock that I, off, Joe. But as of late, I've been on the core four. <laughs> And and willing to appreciate movies for what they are, and, and I agree with you with with you last week, or I did agree with you when you said The Searchers was the best of the four. Yeah. I think I'm going to say this is the weakest of the four, independent of like my nostalgia for watching at your dad's house mm. or the lines or whatever. Just looking at it as a movie, I think it might be the weakest. Really, that's interesting. Okay. Well, let me tell you. Let me give you another example here. Um, the at the beginning of the stagecoach scene. That stagecoach, or hearse, I guess, has been paid for by someone pass- passing through who found the man dead and, and decided to pay for his burial, yeah. right? The guy who's playing the guy who found him dead is not hiding well the fact that the actor probably is from the Bronx and is Jewish. Like, it's, it's he's kind of a, like, schmaltzy, blah, blah, blah. But well, he's nowhere near West, my as friend. kvetchedly Jewish <laughs> as the supposed... 
Mexican elder. <laughs> he slips into Kvetchville a couple of times in an amazing way. That man way. has played a Russian or a Jew more times than I, I can, <laughs> you can like, wrap my fucking head around. He's beautiful at those things. I don't know where. This was like. I mean, this, sorry, the stuff I like, by the way, mm-hmm. I, I need to sort of balance this out. I love just the sort of the ideas. Like the, the whole, yeah. like they're planning to put up these like kind of Planet of the Apes nets to, to, to capture right, Calvaris. Right. And, uh-huh. and the fact that the, the villagers hide the women. I think that's a cool move. In the, in the story yeah, they hide yeah, the yeah. women because they're really not sure of the guys they've hired <laughs> yeah I mean it could be mad rapist with guns which they might you better actually says a horse or someone well, says what did you think we were going to rape him and you better said we might have but you should. That was a dumb line, by the way. We might have raped them, but you should have trusted us. Wait, and what? That's a benefit of the doubt you maybe don't want to give, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, the nether half of our females. Yeah, let's not, let's not put that on the. Uh, let's not slide that into the pot in the middle of the table there. Um, yeah, this would be one like I I do like it, it despite my finding faults with it. But un, unlike a lot of movies, I would struggle with how to introduce this to someone who's already hesitant about classic movies. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay, I grant you that. But uh, again, but it, you know, the time and the place of it. I love the fact that they tried to tried to shoehorn shoehorn in three like Eastern Europeans as, as Mexican in right. one movie. Yeah. Anthony Quinn was was unavailable for that shoot or something. Yeah, you know, because he was always kind of the standard. But uh, it's just a part of me that just loves this movie, and it's so. I, it's all in my head more so than probably yeah. the other movies more so I mean the, yeah. there's not a shit ton of dialogue in Bullet for instance it's it's, it's pretty straightforward although I'm pretty sure I, I can do a really good job of that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. parts of uh, The Guns of Navarone I just haven't seen it in a long time Yeah, but for some reason uh, The Magnificent Seven is evergreen in my head I can do that whole goddamn movie almost yeah I mean it's one of those movies where I think uh, I'm not a fan of remaking a movie unless there's a good reason like oh they like 1984 when, when Edmund O'Brien made it it's like oh they shouldn't have made it that early I'm glad they remade it yeah. in the 80s Manchurian Candidate uh, the remake I didn't I didn't hate hate but I don't see a reason to make yeah. it whereas I, I had to admit when I finally saw Ocean's Eleven and whatever it was 2003 or well, whatever it's a different movie it's, yeah. it's like it's a different movie and it's also like yeah no harm was done here yeah. and I kind of I hate to say it, but I kind of have the feeling the remake of Magnificent Seven with uh, Denzel Washington probably... Have you seen it? No, I imagine it's... I, I wouldn't enjoy it as much, surely. Definitely. It's but not I have, good. Oh, it it's is actually good? not a good movie. Oh, okay. All right, I, I, I tried. I, because I yeah. was feeling very generous. I was like, okay, let's get it. It's got actors I fucking adore. Denzel Washington was boring trying to be Yul Brenner. He was just awful. Uh, Chris Pratt was the most enjoyable thing in there, and he was like, a, like as if Steve McQueen's character went retarded. It was big, just not good. I'm not a big fan of Chris Pratt. I don't mind Chris Pratt. He's, you know, he's what he is. He's a comedic actor. You put him in something, that's what you're going to get out of. Him, right? Yeah, I like it when he stumbles. Yeah, yeah. I like a good pratfall. Does that good? <laughs> you are a cutie. You pie to the face. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was so tortured. Um, so yeah. go ahead, please. No. Um, you no. you go ahead. Well, I was just I mean I, you may I might be wanting this down so throw something in. That's if you what want. I'm thinking about too. But. Well, okay. So look, there uh, we're going to be talking about Finley number one as long as we have this podcast. He's going to come up because they're really this podcast brain cells to rub against each other. <laughs> whatever's left, <laughs> this podcast isn't overtly a tribute to him. 
But there's no doubt in my mind yeah. anyway that yeah. somehow this whole project and every once in a while as we're doing it is, even though he would never even understand like listening to a podcast. Oh, he would have no idea. He'd right. Be, can you get that to me on tape? Somewhere in my mind, it's it still is like kind of a, a attempt to please the work he put into this. Yeah. And even as I was thinking, you know, we're, we're winding this, this sort of particular area. We did the tribute to him and now we're doing the, the fourth of four parts. Um and I, I texted you the other night and I had this moment as I was thinking about watching this and it was about, you know, not only your dad in these movies, but I had this terrible sort of um, teary-eyed moment where I was thinking about your dad making those terrible dinners. He made the same thing every night, steak and white rice. Yeah. And and um, the effort he put in terms of, we could probably do a podcast on the music he taught us actually too. But like the the nerds he the the nerds who love the stuff that he turned us into with old movies and music, and um, it you know we'll talk about it more. I I don't want to say this like so, so since we're never going to mention him again. But uh, yeah. since we're ending this fourth one, it's like I really just miss your dad. Yeah. Yeah, I got to be honest. It's 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 very difficult. I can go through long periods without thinking about it but then when i do you know you you texted that to me the other night and i was yeah. like fuck i remember because yeah. we had a ritual around the the steak i mean yeah that was just the thing and the truth of the matter is is specifically dna wise you know i got his dna physically but there's That's a sense in which fault, Tommy. <laughs> well well we like to think so anyway okay but, oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh on the cindy green street <laughs> oh, <laughs> man likes to talk to a man who likes to fight. Um, but but the, the but his DNA is is in other senses in both of us, yeah, and yeah. also in it, it is in this podcast. There was sure sure because you and I, our love of movies comes directly from that. We, we, when we started talking about doing this, it was and we were Finley One and Two came up with our stupid name. Um, yeah. Him calling him Finley One was easy. Oh yeah, for yeah I mean sure. it was so easy because he's absolutely to blame for this nonsense. Yeah, that bastard. Yeah, well, I do miss him. Me but, too. Yeah. All right. Well, no, and, and here's the thing: no amount of uh, tribute in, is actually going to feel enough to me. But yeah, yeah. So good work. Yeah. That's well, the I fact so. that we I'm having a hard time ending this without being like, yeah, you fag, or like, I can't. That's the other, the yeah, other we, thing. Yeah, we also, there's I think the, I got the Irish heritage and the Irish German over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not comfortable with feelings. <laughs> right, It's right. not what we do. All <laughs> right. Well, uh, I love you, Tommy. Love Rich, you. wherever you are, looking down or up, I, who the hell knows? We, we love you too, man. Right. Until that time, Smitty. Until that time.